You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Don't call it a comeback. Celtic Stuff Live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. And yes, we are finally in the playoffs, John, so we can just put on, uh, you know, take a shower, put on some deodorant and freshen up a little bit because that rotten season is over. Uh, and maybe, maybe we can just, you know, wash some of the stink off. And go into this postseason and really enjoy uh, a good run. Hey, they had a great final matchup against Indiana. Looked very encouraging. Obviously, we're going to talk about injuries on this episode. We're going to talk about draft picks. We're going to preview this first round series with Indiana. We're going to talk about what the lineup might look like. Um, all of that good stuff. But I, 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 am I fully rebounded? No, but I am refreshed. From the fact that the regular season is over, John, and there is, you know, obviously I'm a diehard at heart at, 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 uh, you know, all the way down. So I'm ready. I want to, I want to see them win. Obviously I just have this little thing that's still lingering, but for the most part, man, I'm optimistic. There's a part of me that really thinks he can still do this. And, you know, despite the way that the regular season went, I don't know if I'm crazy, but. I am encouraged by the Indiana series, and we previewed this a couple of weeks ago. We said being in the 4-5, and they do get the extra game at home in the first round, so that's good. Being at the 4-5 and then, you know, trying to unseat Milwaukee because uh, Toronto has always had their number, and, and Kawhi scares us, that this could be the best path. And we also see a Toronto team that could still get bounced by somebody like the Philadelphia 76ers, and then all of a sudden – if you can get by Milwaukee and you face the 76ers, we like our chances and the team will be healthy, uh, by all indications by, by that point. So it's not inconceivable. This was the path we wanted and they have home court advantage in the first round. So here we go. It's all set. It's ready. I mean, I, I think we saw a Celtics team all year that generally when they were, when they're, I don't want to say their backs are against the wall because their backs were against the wall and they got run over sometimes. But I think more importantly, when they faced top tier talent, they rose to the challenge almost every single time. And so I think that's what a lot of us are hanging our head on in hopes that that's the team that shows up. The other thing that would probably you want to throw into the mix is the fact that when the team's rotation has been cut down, aside from Al Horford, They've generally, again, rose to the challenge. And without Marcus Smart here through 
three to five weeks, four to six weeks, all the more reason for guys to step up, fill that void, and and really play the type of Celtic basketball that we've been looking for from this team throughout. And what's interesting, too, is, of course, the hospital Celtics was probably the best example of that last season where they lost Hayward, they lost Kyrie, and they took that and they went to uh, unbelievable heights in the playoffs. The question is, can they do that now? Different cast of characters, different situation. And you have those players. I think the difference is, as opposed to earlier in the season, we have Gordon Hayward looking like a real player right now. And that's the first time we've seen that in his entire, in the two years he's been a Celtic. Gordon Hayward is a minus about five plus. minutes. Yeah. No, no doubt. And, you know, jokingly with Sailboat Studios on Twitter, you know, the injuries end up shortening the rotation. Guys get minutes. Seems to solve some problems, even if it's not your preferred players to be out there. There's just something to be said for having that all kind of work itself out that way. Um, you still want everybody healthy in the postseason, obviously. But this rotation is going to be impacted. I guess if there was one player to be down, it wouldn't be Marcus Smart, though. <laughs> That's the guy you really wanted to stick around. They're saying four to six weeks, right? And then Himmelsbach said the team's hoping for three to five. So on the bright side and the best case scenario, he could be ready to start round two if they get by Indiana. So we'll talk about that a little bit. But um, what you just said about Hayward, though, I, there's so much of me that wants Jalen Brown to go back into that starting lineup just because of all the players that finished out, you know, the last third or even the last half of this season. He's probably their top performer, in my opinion. And he really just was the most consistent, the most reliable getting to the line at the same time what we just saw from Hayward. And what Brown offers off the bench and that he's been steady in that role, it probably makes the most sense to just go ahead, go ahead and put Hayward in there at shooting guard. And, and I kind of feel like his defense is adequate enough. I mean, that's the real question mark. If you take smart out, wouldn't you rather have Brown for defense, even though he does have lapses and he overplays his defender? I mean, the, he overplays the defense every once in a while and gets burned. The athleticism is there. Do you want that defensive presence or do you want that offensive presence that, that Hayward's been? Still kind of a tough judgment call there. I could see Brad getting situational with it. Um, one game he goes with Brown, the other one he goes with Hayward, depending on, you know, what he's seeing out there on the floor. But I can't imagine, imagine them putting Terry into the starting lineup. And that's really the only other option for start, for shooting guard. Oh dear. Oh dear. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I, and I, and I do think that Terry is going to, find a new life uh here i think in the miami games he looks he looked much better uh the indiana game he looked better uh, it's a it's a variety of degrees with him and it's just <laughs> i want him to do well i like terry rosier the guy i think he's a I think he's a good guy but it's just it's a terrible situation and i think we're going to hear more about that in the off season but but going back to your point in terms of gordon hayward i mean gordon hayward i was just looking up while you were speaking gordon hayward has the best defensive rating out of anyone on the celtics since since march 1st 
better than Al Horford, better than Aaron Baines, better than Marcus Smart. And it, and it, other than Horford, it's not but really But he's not close. guarding the opposing team's shooting guard. And that's no, really – but, but, I, but, his, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah, his – Because they're all switching. They're all switchable. Right. I get that. And, and, and what, remember what we saw in those Utah, in that Utah game earlier in the season. They were, they were hunting him. They were trying to find him to create mismatches and attack him. Joe Ingles just really made him look bad in that first Utah game. They're not able to do that right now. I mean, as I said, the fact that he's, he's on those units that are giving up the least number of points. That's a that's a huge plus right there. I mean, and not to mention he's really for among those players who are playing a lot. You know, he's he's the second best in net rating behind Al Horford. So he he's a guy I think you got to put on the floor. But I think your question about how do, what's the right fit, and and part of me also agrees with you. I think in that I, I think if you're going to go with Baines and you're going to have Horford, Tatum. I think I would rather see Jalen Brown in that in that starting lineup because I think that creates less imbalance with the second unit, and then you bring Hayward in um, really as your first sub, and then go you know a little bit smaller, and then you bring you bring Morris in. I just I want to see fewer minutes from Morris in the playoffs, probably even maybe even less so than than Rozier, but really we got to see thirty thirty five probably thirty five minutes I think a night from Brown Hayward. And Tatum, those guys have to step up here for the Celtics to really advance and bring this team to a different level, and to reach that level of account of not accountability, but that level of consistently good play that we haven't seen throughout this season. It's a hell of a time to start doing it, but this is the time. I mean, there is there is no tomorrow. They have to they have to learn to create something with those three wings. And with without Marcus Smart, maybe they'll find some of that through being forced to being thrown together like this. Yeah, you know, that's a really good point. Smart's been the guy to sort of pull this whole team together since his insertion in the starting lineup. He's been the glue. Maybe his absence is one of those things, like you said, that sparks like last season this increased or heightened you know, sort of effort to compensate for the loss, right? That's something that this team has always kind of done well is compensate for the loss. But uh, it could also go the other way. It could get really ugly and it could come unglued pretty fast. You know, another reason to keep, you know, smart on that second unit is because Morris is going to be coming in, right? Hayward. So, Hayward, you mean? No, 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 Morris. So, no, I'm saying keeping Brown on the second unit. I'm going. Yeah, Brown. You, you said I, smart. I'm going the other way. Oh, you sorry. Said smart. I meant why. Brown. Yeah, yeah. So, the, one of the other reasons to keep Brown on that second unit is because of Morris, right? So you Absolutely. could have Hayward out there, and Hayward is, you know, trying to facilitate that offense for Morris. And you think initially at first blush that makes sense, but I think there is something about having Brown and Morris on that second unit and going ahead and keeping Hayward in the starting. You know, one of the things this team has been miserable about is just giving up big ass leads and going to a scoring drought. And the next thing you know, they're just trying to dig their way out of it. I mean, I know they've blown just as many leads as they've given up early, Mm -hmm. but I would be concerned because Brown just seems so lost offensively in that starting lineup. That was one of the things that really resurrected him this season was giving him that freedom on the second unit. Whereas, you know, Hayward can take some of the playmaking responsibilities off of, you know, Kyrie, which is something that Marcus Smart does for stretches for Kyrie, and that helps out a ton. 
And then at the same time, you know, if Hayward continues to be able to score baskets the way he has the last couple of games as he's closing out the season, obviously not the final game, but as he closed out the season, if he can manufacture offense that way, I feel a lot better about not spotting Indiana. I mean, everybody is kind of saying Indiana's reeling. They're a team that's in trouble. This is could be the best matchup possible. And then, you know, the other part of me is like every time I hear that, especially after the way this season went, I'm so distrustful of that kind of commentary and that narrative because – and the thing that freaks me out is that's how this season started. This season started with the Celtics are going to mow them down. And all of a sudden there's this overconfidence about Indiana and Indiana's horrible. And nah, 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 nah. So what happens if Indiana comes out and punches the Celtics in the mouth and takes game one? All of a sudden, this team culturally is reeling again. And I just don't think they're ready for that. Oh, well, look, I think we're going to find out because, because you're right. You have to have that, that deep well of, of, uh, intestinal fortitude. You got to have balls to be able to, to fight through those situations, right? And if they don't have that, then they're going to prove all the doubters right. But if they, if they prove that there's something other than what they showed, through 82 games, or for a good part of 82 games, and they are the team that we thought they could be going into the season, those 82 games will become irrelevant pretty quickly. You know, I think that's what, yeah. that's what's going to happen. It's, it, can they stand up? I don't, I personally, I don't think Indiana is going to have that punch. I think they might steal one. They might get game three. They might get game four, but I don't foresee this Indiana team being able to steal. You're not making me feel better. You're making me more scared when you talk that way. Well, but it's true, right? I do see what you're saying. You'll see them sweeping them. Just to close that, you know, that's why I feel like I like Hayward in the starting lineup in this series. I want Brown in it, but the reason I like Hayward is because I feel like they need to be able to generate some offense early. And I like the fact that he plays the playmaking piece. Now down the stretch, the defense, et cetera, you know, I think that's when Baines comes out in the closing minutes and then Horford shifts over to center and then you have Hayward and Brown in that, in that closing lineup. But I think to start the game, it's, it's definitely Baines and Hayward in my opinion. The, the problem, the only problem with, with moving Hayward off the bench and on into the starting lineup, and I think he's earned it, frankly. The, the problem is, is that now you're looking at a bench, even without when Smart's minutes are on there, there is no There's no playmaker. It's yep. zero, you know, and so that's well, I, no, I, I agree with you. Maybe. I think in closing lineups, Hayward has he is a key core piece that has to be on the floor. But see, but, we talked about staggering that rotation in the past, right? We said, "How are oh, we yeah. going to do this lineup?" and etc. And you know, you said you wanted Baines in there, and I was kind of, you know, but I I think with the increased minutes that the starters, you know, Horford's minutes are going to be up, Kyrie's minutes are going to be up, Hayward's minutes are going to be up, Brown's minutes probably are also going to be up. I think they're going to stagger a lot of that Kyrie Horford. And Hayward thing. I mean, that's the trifecta that they were trying to put together for the postseason. So, you know, I think they mix and match a little bit of Brown. I think they mix and match a little bit of Morris. But, you know, really the rotation without Smart can could be eight deep. And if you've if you're already putting Baines in that starting lineup, you've got five. So there's only three more coming off the bench. And that's, you know, and, and if you're going with Hayward in the starting lineup, then it's Brown, it's Morris, and it's probably Terry because they need another guard. And so I agree. 
you know, what the rotations looked like during the regular season, you're not going to want to see Terry and Brown and Morris all out there, you know, with maybe just a Kyrie or whatever. Fair. That's a good point. But I think they're going to stagger it different because of the increase in minutes. I, I don't think we run into the same risk that we ran, you know, over the last 82 in this first round series by moving Hayward over. Really good point. I think that's a really good point because that, that is, you expect Brad to go deep in the, in the rotations and, and he just might not do that. And if he does that, that if he doesn't do that and he, and as you say, he goes to eight deep, then it's pretty easy to have almost two of Horford, um, Hayward and, and Kyrie on the floor at the same time. And if you have two of them on there, you have more than enough in, in trying to keep that flow. One thing, you know, and, and I, I'm worried a bit about Jalen's back. I think that's still unresolved, although, you know, we'll see how that goes. He finished strong, but it could be re-injured quickly is the Absolutely. Issue. Backs are always yeah. a weird thing. And, and obviously Marcus Smart's situation is, is probably the, the most notable of those. I want, I think Tatum is a really interesting piece in this that we haven't talked about because Tatum, Tatum stood up when the, when they, when really, when they needed him most last year, he stood up and, and really was strong, particularly through that Cleveland series. I'd be interested to see how this situation affects him. Um, there's more, gonna be more shots to go around. There's more, there's more opportunities to touch the ball for him. But maybe and, not if Hayward goes into that starting line. Well, but, the, but it's just, yeah, but you know what I mean? You split by nine virtue ways, of split eight ways. Yeah, right. By virtue I mean, of minutes. He, he's going to touch the ball more. He's going to have more opportunities. And what we've seen from him of late. The aggressiveness. A, absolutely. He, he should have been doing that all season long. And you and I talked about that. I think we even said probably it was back in December. I was like, I see this up fake, but he never goes to the hole anymore. It's like an up fake. And then he sidesteps and does a fall away. He's almost trying to be too much Paul Pierce. And well, and so yeah, that that aggressiveness, that's so key. And I, as yeah. much criticism as Jalen Brown gets for not being able to make free throws, that's a place you can really count on Tatum. And so we need him to manufacture those types of points in the postseason. Absolutely. And and that's, you know, interestingly, I would say not enough Paul Pierce because Paul could get to the line and he could he earned those 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 uh those free throws often. And and he apparently talking to Steve Opet the other day. There is some interest, and that's going to happen this summer where Tatum and Pierce are going to work out together. That's a great thing. I think that's a good thing for the Boston Celtics. But I, Is it I, good you know, for Dwayne Wade, though? Oh, <laughs> I hate Dwayne Wade. Oh, we didn't, we we didn't talk about it. Yeah, hold on. Save that. Oh. Save the D-Wade. That should have been the outtake on the last show. We were so discouraged with this team. We didn't even have an outtake. So save the D-Wade as a, as a one show too late because he, because him and Paul put this conversation back on the map. He opened the door for you to be able to have this in the outtakes. So we'll take that to the outtakes, <laughs> but. As a reminder, you can follow Celtics Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live, as well as your host. Follow me at CSL underscore Justin. Follow John at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS Media Network at CLNS Media. Facebook.com slash CLNS fans. And download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search for CLNS Media in your app marketplace. Finally, the YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash CLNS Media for high-definition, full-length locker room interviews, the Garden Report, the Roundtable. It is the postseason, and you're going to get all of that high-definition, excellent locker room interview content and analysis on YouTube.com slash CLNS Media. So, 
we're going to table that whole thing, but you're right just to take it back to Tatum. Wade and Pierce will bring up later. It would be great for Tatum to get some work with Paul because Paul was not, he didn't have the greatest first step. And I actually think Tatum's is pretty good. And it, and he can hit the outside shots enough to draw the defender in, but it was the timing. If he can learn Paul Pierce's timing with the up fake and go, um, that would be phenomenal because that's really, and Paul had a lot of strength that Tatum doesn't have yet, but, but even then I think if he could just, get the timing down just perfect and get the get the defender to commit enough and then start working his way around and going to the rim. That would be beautiful. And he's done it, but I, I think Paul can show him a couple more, you know, put some hitch in the giddy up and get the defender to bite. So uh, we need him to go to the line. We need him to manufacture points. We need the team to manufacture points. We need them to be as unselfish as they looked in the final bit. I mean, they didn't get to 50 wins. They only got to 49. I told you they wouldn't quite get to 50. But then I looked at the Western Conference, and I was kind of comparing. And I was like, wow, what a down year for the Western Conference. Like, while Milwaukee gets on the rise here, this major disparity between the two conferences, yes, the Western Conference still has more depth, but that top-line win total that has really been the biggest sticking-out sort of differentiator between the two conferences really wasn't there this year. Much more even playing field, it appears. And LeBron just went from Cleveland out west to L.A., so what happened there? Well, Did you read that article on culture? No, I no, I didn't. I I. I'm, <laughs> I checked out like, like magic. I just checked out of that whole thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we both did. That's what we said, right? We're yeah, out. We're out. We're out. That's a, you know, we're out. I, I, no, I mean, it, I think the, the difference in conferences is probably at the bottom end, right? We're, you know, looking at, you got Detroit, Brooklyn, Orlando, and our Indiana, the bottom five, four teams, I guess, in the Eastern Conference are all worse than the eighth worst team. By six games. Well, no, Indiana, excuse me, Indiana and the Clippers are both at 48 wins. But regardless, like, you're right. I mean, you look at the winning totals. I mean, the top two winning teams were in the Eastern Conference this year, you know. And then there was a gap there between Golden State, Denver, Portland, and Houston. And then you get Philadelphia, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, honestly, it's does anybody feel like that Golden State's 57 wins is indicative of who they are, who they're going to be over the next three months? No, you're right. It's almost like they've already made their point about the regular season. Totally. Yeah. You know, they're just waiting for the postseason. They couldn't be more, you know, I don't want to say they were complacent or nearly what the Celtics were, but you're, that's a good point. You know, the actual disparity in terms of, you know, talent could still very much be there. Houston too. I mean, I think I think you look at Houston, Boston, I would love Houston, and Golden State. That Golden State. I think we could have a better chance against Golden State than we do against Houston. As crazy as that sounds, no, um, I could see that. Yep. I just feel like Houston has they, they just that that rim running thing really makes it hard for us. Um, it does this year. You know, last year that was what we were clamoring for, right? Because right. that's that's what the Celtics were. I think that's one of the things that bothered me about this season too was the lack of that. I mean, I know that the half court brand of basketball, you know, the pick and roll, it's fundamentals, but boy, is it so much more fun watching Houston and last year's Boston team. I mean, that's just fun basketball. And that's, you know, Tommy loves it, right? Tommy loves it. We all love Coos loves it. Like that's, that, that's the kind of bat. I love the West Coast brand of ball. 
So when the Celtics were playing that way, I was really excited. Now they're playing like, you know, again, more of that half court stuff. And, uh, not always. There's moments, there's glimpses, but I love the up and down, man. That's my fave. Well, I think, yeah. And I think Boston, you know, you look at this, this season, uh, I don't know what that's about. That's probably my biggest, one of my biggest gripes with the team in terms of playing style. Oh, is, you mean, you mean the Jack of three? No, 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 no. Is that when they have situations to attack and transition, unless it's absolutely clear that they have a clear lane to the bucket. Yeah, they just they jack will... a three. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about jack a three. I'm talking about pull it out and wait for help to come and then run a half sometimes, court set. And sometimes you, you just... might end up jacking a three. Well, yeah, yeah, okay. sometimes, yeah no, but sometimes that's the game. Uh, Houston, I... you can't say Houston, you can't say like how Houston plays and, and then be upset about jacking threes because they're they're at a whole nother level. No, no, no. What it's, we do. it's the up tempo. It's the up tempo quick stop in Jack of three. And I get it. I know what you're saying about Houston, but, but if you have the ability to attack or there's a chance, you know, right. go finish strong and get to the line. Right. And, and keep pushing that. That's what I don't like. Yes. Listen, Jack of three at the end of the shot clock, whatever. You know, every once in a while, a heat check, I guess it's okay. But there are moments, man, sometimes when Kyrie's like four steps back. And they're just bringing it up, and it's not even, you know, an attack. And he just jacks it. There's no ball movement. There's no nothing. So there are moments when I just don't like it, um, and and I'd rather see them run and run and run. And they had the legs to run. That was one of the assets we thought was the fact that they had all this youth. They had really good talent. They had a deep bench. If they were, if it was, if running was wearing them down, no big deal. Lots of guys to go plug into the into the uh, lineup, you know, reduce the minutes and run more. But anyway, it doesn't. That's just a pet peeve. That's definitely not a conversational topic for the show. Um, one thing we need to get into the draft picks, I think, and then before we go, I want to talk about the schedule and mm-hmm. uh, and then obviously in the outtakes, we're going to give everybody their cake and eat it too. Mostly you on Paul Pierce and, and D Wade and honoring D Wade at the uh, very end of the season and giving him a piece of the parquet. I wonder if the piece of the parquet came from the same spot where Rondo destroyed his elbow. Uh, but anyway, so uh, let's talk about draft picks. I'm going to run it down mostly because you already ran it down for me. So I want to make sure I get it right. We have Memphis in a three, all three of the non Boston Celtics picks are all in three way ties. Mm-hmm. So the highest one is Memphis. And it's in a three-way tie at seven, eight, nine, and it's top eight protected. So if it goes seven or eight, then Memphis keeps it. If it goes nine, the Celtics get it. There's some debate, and we'll get into that in a second, about whether or not the Celtics would want that pick because it's top six protected and unprotected the following year after that. So over the next two years, the value of that pick goes up, and the team is in complete disarray. Sacramento's pick, the one that we thought was going to be the most valuable, by far, turns out that team's got some grit. They went after it this season. They end up in a three-way tie. It's 12, 13, 14. We get it no matter what, except if it goes number one overall, they win the lottery. Really, Philly wins the lottery. They get the pick, which would be such a Clevelandy kind of thing to happen. And then the Clippers in a three-way tie 
at 18, 19, and 20, and we're getting that pick regardless, no matter what. And then obviously the Celtics own their own pick at 21. So they've got four potential picks and really most likely three picks in this, in this draft. Um, and a really outside chance that they only get two lower picks in the draft. So, um, you know, Clippers, whatever, nothing to discuss there. The Sacramento pick is, is somewhat interesting, but really it's that Memphis pick. And then it's the debate about, you know, do you want that pick this year? Now, John and I talked about this a little bit before we started the show. John's pretty adamant. I'm going to speak for you that Please we do. don't want it because it becomes more valuable. And obviously if we do make a big off season deal, then as we get down the line with all these max contracts, you're going to want a really high pick like that in a couple of years to help build that staple of really awesome young talent. Not to mention this draft may be really good at the top, but not really all that deep, not the best draft in recent memory. Um, but then if you're trying to keep some of this young talent, there's a case to be made for keeping it at nine, and then potentially you could have best case scenario nine. Tw- well, not best case. Um, I guess the Sacramento pick best case would be second or third, right? So it, it, if you keep that pick, let's say really realistically, it could be like nine, twelve, eighteen, and twenty-one with an outside chance that it's two, three, twelve. Or no, it would not be three because we wouldn't get Memphis, anything above that. So it would be two, nine, 18, and 21 would be the dream scenario. Mm-hmm. But, the right. most, but the most likely scenario is nine, 12, 18, and 21. Or so nine, 14. No, no, no. The ideal is the oh, highest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, if, you know, but. But the, really the ideal scenario would be you get two from Sacramento, you get 18 from the right. Clippers, and then Memphis goes and takes their own at seven or eight, and we still get another pick next year. But because we got two this year, we still have the same kind of leverage that we would want. That's exactly. really the ideal scenario. Yeah, absolutely. I think Did I leave anything totally room for you to comment on? <laughs> well, I, I think the issue of does, is it better to take the pick or not, you know, and – that sixth pick, you know, the, the top six protection next year is arguably you would have a deeper draft. I, mean, I don't know enough about the, the 20 draft, if that's the case. But the 21 draft is potentially the first draft that would be uh, the end of one and done. So you would have a double draft effectively where the best players would be coming out and they would be – you would have uh, – you know, income, well, I guess college, not college, high school seniors effectively back in the draft. So the ability to have that pick would be a very valuable piece. And, and honestly, all of this is in the framework of, there's two ways to look at this draft. There's the Anthony Davis part of this of the Celtics will give up every draft pick in this draft for Anthony Davis. And I think that fully and maybe Pepe Brown or Tatum as a result. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Or there's the you're gonna still give up a number of these draft picks, but a handful of these guys may, or, or maybe one or two of these picks may still be uh, may Celtics may hold on to because low <laughs> low salaries on this cap sheet is really important when you're maxing out Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, you know, Gordon Hayward, you know, I mean, you need low salaries to fill out the bottom end of this roster. So when you can have guys at 
18 or 20 or, or, or even 14. It makes sense to spin some of these picks off, honestly. You know, if you get into that position where they're not included in some of a deal, it makes sense to keep stockpiling for the future and take some more gambles because they've got a ton of young talent. That's still on rookie deals. Like they have that. They have the Ojales. They have the Abuseles. You know, they, they've got some. Well, they got Robert Williams. Who? But how many is, of them will they have if they trade for Anthony Davis? I actually, I think they'll have most of those guys. I don't think that's. I, you, know, you know, they might throw in one or two, but none of them have a salary high enough. Okay. And again, all right. So having said that, yeah. If they do wind up throwing a lot of those guys in. Then you're definitely keeping two of Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and, and Tatum. In which case, then I'm fine. Yeah, I mean that's the right, and and that's the unknown here is like where, what's the market? Who are they going to have to give up? What are other teams going to give up? Can you get away without giving up Tatum? Can you go away without giving up Smart? I mean, what's the is Brown does have, you know how does how does that deal come together? And and we're going to lose Morris either way too, right? Right. So You're Morris going to lose is, Morris either way. Rozier could be. I mean, I, I would probably. It depends on how him. the deal goes. He could stick around. If you I, lose I, Smart, he could uh, stick around. No, you can't just sour on him because of one bad season. I mean, dude, he's shown flashes. This, I, I know, but I don't I know. It, I don't but, know that he can play behind Kyrie. That's the issue. Like, I think we've seen enough of this season. Everybody else kind of found their way, and and and. I don't want to make this about no, Terry. Nobody but Morris, found their way this no, season. No, of course they did. Individually. Ugly. No, 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 no. That's not true. Come I mean, on. Look at, look at Jalen, right? Jalen couldn't – didn't know how to play basketball by, at the end of November. But he figured it out, right? Tatum had some struggles, but he played decently. He wasn't as great as we expected, but he Those was Those two are just a different but, level of talent than Rozier, though. Well, sure, but, but Rozier was the worst basketball player on the team consistently from game one to game 82. If it but, wasn't for yeah, Morris's okay. horrendous post, you know, January right, well, 1st. Well, we don't know. We don't know Kyrie's sticking around either, so – we there, don't know, but we don't. But know. you're going to move him after that decision is made, anyway. And and yeah. Rozier is a restricted free agent, so right. I, that's distracting. I'm distracting from the point. My point was, I was trying to get to, I guess, is that there are players who could help them, and there are players who are in this draft who fill needs. That I think there's a number of these kind of six eight six nine. Power forward types. We want to say Brandon Clark. You want to talk about Rui Hachimura. You want to talk about any of those guys. Maybe even Hunter from Virginia. Uh, Nasir Little. I mean, Kelvin Johnston. There's a lot of these guys who are kind of middle of the, you know, kind of middle small forward types. Uh, and the, the team has a need for them. I mean, I think Hachimura is is somebody who they would look at because they're they're going to need to fill that Marcus Morris role. We talked a lot on this show about how, not this show, but previous shows, about how the reason why Morris is getting all these minutes is because he fills a need that nobody else on this team is able to provide. The Celtics are going to need that 6'8", 6'9", guy who can rebound, defend, and and just fill a role. You know, and, and maybe they can find a guy like that in this draft. That's, that's really, that's really what I would hope to get out of this draft. I don't think yeah, they're going to get much more than that. No, probably not. All right. So as we kind of wrap it up and, uh, you know, everybody's, everybody's really just hanging on for the outtakes. The schedule is Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. So very predictable kind of schedule, although it is sort of funky. 
you know, because the travel days aren't always the funky, funky. So sometimes the travel days aren't on the two days off in between. That's what's kind of funny about it. So um, it doesn't necessarily fit the break. Oh, that is funky. Funky. Brink house. Let's go. Ow. He's <laughs> mighty, mighty green goggles. <laughs> there we go. That's the title of the show. Mighty, mighty green goggles. <laughs> Not the boss tones. That's right. Not the boss tones. No. Mighty, mighty green goggles. <laughs> All right. Book it. So, but anyway, it's kind of, you know, so, so, so Sunday, Friday, Sunday, Wednesday, Friday. So what's probably going to happen is there's going to be four games in the book because you're going on vacation to South Carolina. So we just took 10 days off because we just could not talk about the Celtics during the regular season again. Now we're in the postseason and you're headed south and you're going to be MIA. So it's most, yeah, no, it's not most likely. There'll be four games in the book by the time we come back. Yeah. Potentially, and we both agree that the Celtics are not going to sweep this series, but potentially this series could be over before we come back and talk about it. So, um, four games in the books. Where do you think we're at after four games when you and I return and, and, you know, either, uh, talk about a, a series that's about to close or we're mid series in a tightly contested two and two matchup where where are you predicting we'll land i think i gave up uh i gave up i gave a tell in terms of what i was thinking earlier i I think it's three one three and one yeah all right i think they win both games at home i think they lose probably three in indiana they win four in indiana and they come home and wrap it up in five. Oh, oh, oh I stole that from next week's show. Uh oh. <laughs> I just, I don't see, Indiana's good. Two and they, two and it's going fight. seven. It's the Celtics no. way in the first round. No. Yep. Yep. No. Yep. Yep. Over, team. overconfidence, major issue. It'll be two and two. The loss of Marcus Smart will set them back a little bit defensively. Brad will have to make some adjustments. They'll work it out on the fly. It'll be two and two when we come back. The NBA loves seven game series. It's the four five matchup. That's the exciting one. One and eight is always a, you know, smoke show. And then two and seven are kind of meh. But in this first round, it's three and six and four and five. That's what everybody's tuning in on. And the NBA is counting on those series going seven to milk the playoffs for every dollar they're worth. Well, and that's what's going to happen. I, and I'm sticking to it. I think there will be a seven game series in the first round Eastern conference, but I don't think it's Boston, Indiana. You think it's, you think it's Toronto? Nope. You think, hold on. You think the one eight series no, is going to no, go no, no, seven? No, 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 okay. Brooklyn, Philly. All Brooklyn, right, Philly's uh, going no, seven. I, yeah, I could see that. Brooklyn's a tough out. I mean, yep. they, they were killing the Celtics this season. I they think they're me. I'm more. really glad we didn't jump to three. I started yeah. thinking about that, and I was like, you know, with all the chip on the shoulder that Brooklyn has, even though none of those players were really around when that happened, they're all very well aware of, you know, how that happened to Brooklyn, and they're there to resurrect it. So nothing would make the Brooklyn players happier and it's part of the reason they kick the Celtics tails every time they play them. Nothing would make them happier to take that New York Boston rivalry and that scenario that they're the first team, D'Angelo Russell, et cetera, that they're the first, you know, group that's really had a chance to pull them out of that big, big hole. They would like nothing better than to face the Celtics in the postseason. Not that they beat them, but that one was a scary one. So I am happy that we landed 
at the four five and you and I had already talked about it. We wanted Milwaukee and not Toronto anyway. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I was kind of hoping that Orlando or Brooklyn would end up eight because obviously what we really want to see is the, the Bucks get a, get a really hard push in the first round. And I do think Brogdon is, is a really big loss for them in that first series. Um, is it on par with smart? I don't know. I think we're going to, hopefully we'll find out, <laughs> but I, I think Brogdon. Oh, we'll find out. Against you're Boston. Saying, hopefully we'll find out. It's okay. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> for us right. And not for them. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I just, Brogdon has always been a problem for, for the Celtics against the Bucks. Um, and, and so that's, I want to see, really, I want to see them get pushed. I want Detroit to really make them uncomfortable. Um, I, I just feel like it's a bad matchup for Detroit. And I, I don't think that's going to, series is going to go very long, but let's, let's hope Blake on Giannis is really kind of an interesting uh, matchup. And that's, you know, Blake has had a really good Blake season. Blake can turn it on. Yep. He had a good uh, season. He can definitely turn it on. And he's got a kind of game that, is kind of the counter. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of the end of the yang on, uh, on how Giannis plays. So yep. power versus finesse almost. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And he's probably got the athleticism to, to try to play with. Let's Giannis. see if the officials give Blake the kind of calls that they gave him in the early part of this year against the Yikes. Celtics. That's Yikes. All right. Not. Well, you know what? Let's get to the outtakes. Let's get to the postseason. Let's get a move on. I'm ready. Uh, I'm slowly getting sucked back into optimism. This broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media Mobile app. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And remember that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is always important to the show. For staff writer, Sammy Elias. Executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke. I'm Justin Poole, and thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live. And the outtakes are really just not even a it's not even a surprise anymore. Although I don't know. We gave up on it for a couple of weeks out of frustration. But so last time you were like, no, no, you stopped recording. I want to talk about D Wade getting parquet, you know, and, and our friend Bobby Manning wrote an article really, you know, applauding that move and uh, on CLNS media. And I thought about it. He texted it to me and I thought about you because I remembered that you wanted to lambaste that angle from the Celtics. And then Paul Pierce comes out since then. And says he had the better career. Now, statistically, Paul just can't back that up. And that's not true. That's no, not true. He Look can't. At it. It's close. It's closer than you think. It's definitely close. But and and he and I agree with Paul's point. Hey, you give me LeBron, you give me Shaq. You know, you put me on a team that's uh, I'm actually being added to somebody. Like he should have said, you give me Kevin Garnett from the start. And I'd be on par. That's what he should have said. Instead, he kind of said, well, you give me Shaq, you give me what D Wade had. He should have said, if Kevin Garnett and I were together from the beginning, you're damn right. I'd have those stats. I look, 
I I don't like Dwayne Wade. I've never liked Dwayne Wade. I will ne- I won't ever like Dwayne Wade. I will always love Amy Bradley's block of Dwayne oh, Wade at fabulous. the rim when Dwayne was when uh, Wade was in his prime. That that was such a glorious moment for Celtics fans. I have I have taken a great deal of joy in how uh, how wonderful the the Dirk celebration has been of his career. The goat, uh, Larry Joe Bird, was at that ceremony. He recognized greatness as he should. Uh, Dwayne Wade tries to jump up on a scorer's table and can't even make it. So you know how's that going for you, Dwayne? Look, just to start with the parquet thing, the Celtics did the right thing. Everybody else in the league is doing it. They had to, you know, tip their cap and say, okay, here. It's in a back hallway. We're not doing it during the game. We're not doing a, a jumbotron thing. They did it. They handled it the right way. But Bobby, I love Bobby. I really do love Bobby. But let's, like, let's get real here. He is a villain. Dwayne Wade is a villain. He's Lambeer. He's Rodman. Why can't we have villains anymore? You know what I mean? Like the whole Ray Allen thing. Ray Allen is a villain. Right? So let's just embrace the villainy. 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 Yes. Villainy. It's okay. It's okay to hate people. And it's great for the drama. Like even the NBA likes it. So let's just have some villains. Absolutely. And, And so all of a sudden it's not okay to dislike players. The guy... Purposefully, I don't care what anybody says. He purposefully hurt, hurt Rondo. Rondo. Yeah, it was sure. that, and and that series. Remember, the Celtics were playing well. They were the better team through three games. I believe they go on to win that series. And Wade's, and arguably, you'd say Rondo was the best player in that series. A, a series that included yeah, prime up to that Wade, moment. prime LeBron, prime Bosch. And, you know, on the backside with KG and Paul, Rondo's the best player, and they make his elbow go the wrong way, and that's it. It's over. You know? And I, look, that's just one play. But how many times have we seen Wade lift the knee up and go between someone's, you know, shorts or whatever? I mean, that's just his game. Fine. Respect it if you want. I think it's cheap. I think it's like Chris Paul. I'm, I'm, I'm not into that type of play, Okay. Playing tough, playing hard, fine. But Dwayne Wade does not deserve cheers and plaudits from the Boston faithful. He can go into 29 other arenas and get that. Not in this place. Not in this house. Right. Yeah. That's that's it right there. Right? Kobe? Does Kobe? Kobe can go into 29 other gyms and get that. Not in this place. We're Boston. We understand what it means and what you've done to our teams. We are rivals. And listen, you can Do applaud you think the pressure Dr. Comes J. From, from trying to recruit players and trying to revamp that, that boss. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we've done such a great job of recruiting these yes. players to come and changing the attitude of being in Boston and this and that and how we celebrate former players. But see, here's the thing for me. I think part of what Kevin Garnett was selling, because he's the one who did this. Okay, don't let anybody fool you. Kevin Garnett is the one who changed the attitude about Boston as a destination. Mm -hmm. But part of his thing was old school, you got to play like you belong here. You know what I mean? And he embraced the villainy. He's the one that probably is the most staunchly Ray is out Ray is dead to me, and I am with KG on that. 
And if you want to embrace the villainy and do all of that, then I think the club should mirror KG's attitude because he mirrored the fan base. That's why we loved him. That's why we just took him and said, you know what? We know it's at the end of the career. And then he had the bum leg and all that. And we just didn't care because he built a culture and his attitude was you're with us or you're against us. And even if you're with us, you better come up to this level or you're against us. We love that. That's what Boston Celtics fans are about. At least the diehards, the bandwagoners out there that don't listen to this show by any means, whatever. But the diehards that listen to this show, that's the attitude. That's the attitude of this franchise. That's what we embraced and loved about KG. And I think, I agree with you. I think that's how the, the club should represent. So if they want to, you know, rounds of applause and, you know, a little ceremony and all that for D Wade, you know, celebrating his career out of respect to another. Yeah, absolutely. Parquet. No Kobe, no parquet. No. Right. That goes to former players because that's something special. Well, now, I, now everybody's getting it and it's making the people who got it less. It, it, it means less. It, it just it, means less. Yeah, but they've done it in the past. I, I don't mind a, a token gift of appreciation. I, I'm okay with that. I don't think they should expect the fans to uh, forget Embrace what's happened. It. I think okay. let, the, let the franchise be the better, you know, I guess the better angels and take a very small gesture off, you know, away from, uh, you know, the middle of the game to do that. I'm okay with that. But, you know, I think it's embarrassing what happened in Brooklyn. You know, have some, have some respect, Brooklyn Nets fans. You want to start saying Paul Pierce sucks? Really? Paul Pierce easily, easily one of the top three players ever to have played for the New Jersey slash Brooklyn Nets in the NBA. You had Jason Kidd, Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce. Yeah, Maybe they're just better someone about better. The trade, dude. You they're can't. bitter about the trade. They're bitter that they get over it. Them. They're better. You're going to get a team. Yeah. Get over it. They do now, but they but suck it up, guys. Yeah, it's not crazy. Nah, we would never have sucked it up either. All right, but uh, I don't buy that. But 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 we have that's because we have history. We understand they don't have anything, and they're out there say they're jumping on the come on, the dude. That's like bandwagon. Say, they're jumping on, on the heat bandwagon to say we also we also think he sucks. Now get, get over it. Come no. on, Brooklyn. All right, we, you're right. We didn't say Tim Duncan sucks, but did we suck it up not. over Tim Duncan? We did not suck it up as a franchise. Being frustrated about Tim Duncan not coming here is completely different than copying a chant from another team, the home team for this guy, and saying, oh, yeah, we agree with what the home fans in Miami were saying two nights ago about a guy who played for us it really has no animosity to the team at all. It's weird. It's yeah. messed up. It's like very, it's kind of psychotic in a way. Brooklyn, you're better than that. I think I thought, um, do better. That's insane. That's an outtake. Out. Out.